0: Welcome to Pilgrim Power, the podcast for Pilgrim Rest Baptist Church. Today's message is provided by Minister Sherita West, and it's entitled Salty. It's taken from the fifth chapter of Matthews, verse 13. Now take a listen as she adds some seasoning to this word. You know, um, the term I'm salty, I'm sure many of us have heard that expression in recent times. It has gone in a lot of popularity recently because a lot of hip-hop artists and rap artists have used that term in their music. Don't look at me like y'all don't listen to that music. <laughs> I know we listen to that music. When I'm on the treadmill and I'm not listening to Jesus on the main line, tell me what I want. I need something that's going to get me going. <laughs> However, the term is not, it's not an old term, believe it or not. I mean, it's not a new term, believe it or not. It actually was coined in 1866. Um, and it meant racy or risque or was used to describe someone who was sexy and in the 1920s they they began to use it more in reference to a navy's navy Navy, Navy, men who were in the united states navy let me slow down Sherita. men who was in the united states navy who had been out, out to sea for long periods of time who were angry and grumpy and bitter they referred to them as being salty in the world to be salty has a negative connotation but in the but in the body of christ to be salty it's a very good thing, right? It's a very good thing. So, you know, we read our Bibles, and hopefully we all do that on a regular basis. <laughs> we see that there's a reference to salt in multiple places in the word of God. You know, we see that over in Leviticus, we first hear the mention of salt. We learned that um, salt was added to grain offerings. Over in the book of Numbers, we are told that the covenant of salt was made with the priests. In Second Chronicles, there's a salt covenant reference to King David. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel throws salt as a covenant relationship reminder. Um, Lot's wife, we all are familiar with this story when she was turned into a pillar of salt. In the book of Mark, the ninth chapter, it tells of the preserving qualities of, of salt during tribulation. And also in Colossians, finally, it talks about our speech being compared to salt, meaning that we what we say should be seasoned. Now, when we look at the text comes from Matthew, the fifth chapter, and we know that Matthew five through seven is Jesus' sermon on the mount. It was um, it's the it's his longest sermon that he gave. Um, He there he explains uh, quite a bit of things are going on there. We learned the Lord's prayer. He gives us several parables. There's the Beatitudes. Um, He explains us that he, he explains to us that he did not come to overturn God's law, but instead to upheld them. He tackles the issues of murder, adultery, divorce, and the the need for us to love our neighbors. He made it quite clear in Matthews 5 through 7 that there's an expectation for the people of God to live differently from the people in this world. I'm going to park right here for a minute and share with you that it saddens my heart when I see people who profess Christianity live like heathens, act and behave like heathens. Here's the thing. We are not perfect people. When we come down to this altar and we give our life to the Lord, there's not an instant transformation that takes place. Some people are set free and delivered instantly from addiction and things like that. But there's some other things that are going on within each one of us that God requires that we work out. We don't work them out on our own. We work them out through the Holy Spirit. Salvation is a process, people of God. I was born into the church. I've been in church all 52 and a half years of my life. And I am not a perfect saint, but what I am is a saint who's striving to do better. If you catch me on Wednesday on my job, I'm subject to be having a breakdown. And I have to get myself together just like everybody else do. But I tell God in my prayer time, it goes like this. Lord, I know I'm toe up from the floor up and only you can help me up. So I ask that you do just that. Here's what I recognize and see that is wrong with me. And I need you to help me get me together. When I read the book of James, I ain't none of that, Lord. But I know that through you and the Holy Spirit that you gave me, when you regenerated this dead soul, I know that I can be better. So today wasn't a good day. But tomorrow, Lord, with you and your help and your strength, it can be better. And I want to encourage somebody here today. Don't stop coming to church because you fell down. Don't stop coming to church because you're waddling in something. Keep coming to church and keep seeking the Lord. And someday you'll wake up and you'll be set. you know what? I don't want to do that no more. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's what becoming salty and our saltiness is all about. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about salt. <laughs> so we are the preservers of all things good. The reason why God referred to us as being salt is because we are here in this land to do two things. To preserve to preserve the goodness of God amongst the people and, of course, to, to, to com, convince others, the Great Commission, to come unto the Lord. That is the purpose of us being here. When people see you living and acting like the devil, you don't encourage them to come to Christ, which you need to know that. And many of us struggle with friends, families, maybe even coworkers, getting them to come unto the Lord is because they see how we live. So it is of utmost importance that we get ourselves together. So we can compel others to come unto Christ so that he can come back and get us and we can get up out of here because there's too much going on down here. I know I'm not by myself. I'm about sick and tired of being sick and tired of what's going on over here and what's going on over there. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? I was sharing with Minister Joanne. I was like, in my neighborhood, after the month, we had the major monsoons, right? We had puddles of water everywhere. We had this major mosquito infestation. You couldn't even go out the front door without getting bit up. Then the mosquitoes left, and then all of a sudden crickets were everywhere, all over the garage floor, everywhere. I flew in on Monday night from going to see my family and came home with poisonous toads all over the driveway. I said, I got the plagues of Israel going on right here in my neighborhood. What is wrong with the saints of God? I'm sorry, the plagues of Egypt. What's wrong with the saints of God that we don't realize and recognize the times in which we are living? This is the time. If no other time, I know we've been saying it forever that the Lord is soon to come. My grandma said it. My great-grandma said it. the Lord is soon to come. But this is not the time to play with your walk with God. As we, as we see the things that are going on in our world, we see what's happening in the news, how we're treating people, how we're not standing for the precepts of God. We know that our time is getting shorter and getting shorter and, sh- and shorter. What you need to do today, if you have not already done, is choose you this day whom it is that you have every intention of serving. Because we don't have time to be playing around here. God is going to wrap this thing up. And you don't want to be one of those who's sitting there wondering what happened to the rest of the saints. Amen. Now, don't take that to mean I'm saying, Sharita said, I can lose my salvation. I'm not saying that. Somebody else can preach on that. I'm not telling you you can use your salvation. Repentance is available and open to each one of us. Amen. <laughs> All right. So let's keep this moving. Because, again, I ain't going to be before you alone. What happens to us, the reason why we lose our saltiness, In this passage of Scripture talks about us losing our saltiness, how we become unsalty. Because as I said before, the Holy Spirit gives us or makes us salty at conversion. What causes us to lose our saltiness is when we begin to take on the things of the world. When we begin to be okay, whatever God says is not okay with. I'm not going to name them. Yes, I am, because that's just what I do. (laughs) When we start saying it's okay, abortion is okay. When we start saying that adultery is okay, when we start justifying sin like the world do, when we start saying it's okay if you're a boy, you want to be a girl, you can go do that. Yeah, I said it, sue me. Uh, when we start saying, you know, when we, when we start condoning these things and saying that the things that, that God made mistakes and God didn't know what he was talking about, and so therefore I know the Bible says, but this is how I feel and how I see things, we begin to become diluted and we lose our effectiveness. God wanted us salty to be a witness. Again, we we were first called Christians at Antioch because we were followers of Jesus Christ. Not just followers of him walking behind, but we were imitators of what he was and everything he represented and did. We have to make sure that when we stand before people, when everybody else is having a breakdown, cussing and fussing and falling out, we got to make sure we don't join in that and start cussing and fussing and falling out too somebody got to stand for Jesus. Somebody got to act like a Christian and say, okay, when y'all get done having y'all fit, I'm gonna pray for everybody and I'm gonna go home. My sister said to me, she said, Sherita, you just be numb. You just be checked out. You don't care nothing about nobody. I said, I care about everybody, but I got the Holy Ghost. I ain't worried about it. So y'all go ahead and y'all have y'all breakdown. Y'all go ahead and y'all have y'all fight. Call the police, do what y'all got to do. I'm gonna sit right here and I'm gonna sip this water. Because I got something on the inside that works on the outside that gives me peace and has caused a change to be in my life. And so I can sit easy in the midst of turmoil, knowing that God is going to make everything all right. Amen. My daughter was sick with COVID, y'all. Now, um, she was she had COVID for three weeks. Wasn't getting any better. The cough was getting worse. She said, Mom, something not right. Something's going on. My back hurt. She goes to the hospital three weeks after testing positive for COVID. She goes to the hospital. She is still positive for COVID. They put on antibiotics, they put on, um, they put on oxygen. Thank God she didn't need a ventilator or anything like that. But they found out while she was there that her entire right lung is filled with blood clots. This kid has been walking around. She's 31 years old, but I still call her kid. Has been walking around with one lung functioning. So when my family, you know, when everybody, everybody calling me, oh my gosh, Sharita, oh my gosh, this everybody crying, having a fit. I said, what well, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to pray and go put some gas in my car and I'll be there in about five hours. <laughs> you're not, you're not going, you're not going to, you do not, no, I, no, I'm not. Because I'm, cause I believe God. And I know him to be a healer. Because I know what he's done for me and my body. And I saw what he did for my mother and her body. And I saw what he did for my father and his body. And so i have the testimony that i know that god is a healer and the reason why i know that is because i read his word and the other reason why i know it is because i believe his word and so i stand up on the b-i-b-l-e so when the world is going bananas i say god i trust you god i know your word god you said the sickness and disease is not the the children's your children's lot god we can be empowered through the holy spirit because you gave it to us god I'm not going to have a breakdown and give the devil the victory. I'm going to make him mad. I'm going to start lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm going to start calling on him and and quoting scripture and saying, God, I know you can. And God, I know you will. That's what I'm getting ready to do. I will not break down in the name of Jesus because God is a good God. We serve the only true and living God. And how dare us to succumb to the things of the enemy and to believe and to doubt God. For one minute, we know he can, and we know he will. We have the evidence before us, and yet there are times when we waver. And it's okay to waver for a minute. But then when you got that word down, and you'd be like, wait a minute. He reminds you of the scripture that said this, and then he reminds you of the scripture that said that. And you say, wait a minute, hold up. Why am I sitting here crying and rocking back and forth like I got some kind of mental illness? Let me get myself together and let me open up this book and let me find me some scriptures to encourage myself because I know my God can and I know my God will. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here we go. Lord have mercy. So look, when we lose our saltiness family, when we lose our saltiness, we are no longer fit for the master's use. He said, we ought to be, the scripture says we ought to be trampled underfoot. I'm not saying, we know we all are not called to preach and teach. Sometimes I question if I am, to <laughs> be honest with you. We're not all called to preach. We're not all called to preach. This is, not the, this is not the only area of service unto the Lord. There are many gifts in the body. And whatever God gave you, use it. And use it to the glory of God. Sometimes it's singing. It may be the gift of helps. It may be the, it may be the gifts of, of just giving. You, you, whatever your gift is, Use it to the glory of God and stand on his word in that and enable, he will, it will enable you and empower you to be a blessing to others in your life. We must, for the sake of the gospel, stay salty. Remember our lives are not our own. Christ didn't save you so you can get a new house a husband in a pretty dress or a new purse. He didn't save you for that. You were saved. You know what the saddest thing is? I was reading something the other day. It said that they they'd asked. They were random people on the streets of New York. They asked them, "What did it mean to be saved?" And nobody could tell them what it meant to be saved. Nobody could tell them what it meant to be. I'm saved, and I'm not going to hell. That's what they said. He said, well, "What are you saved for? Why did Christ save you? Christ saved you." So that you could be a witness. And I'll say it and I'll say it over and I'll say it over and over again. Because if you leave here with nothing else, I want you to walk away with this. Christ saved you so that you could be a witness in this land. And that you can be a light in this dark and dying world. And so that you can compel others to come unto him. We don't drive. We don't come to this building, you know, and with our nose up in the air thinking that we are so high and mighty and we're better than everybody else. When I go to my job and I often go, well, well when I go <laughs> I work from home. Um, you know, I'll, sometimes I show up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, nobody's there but the janitors. I know people who walk wide by them and won't say a word. I say, good morning, how you doing? Sometimes I bring them, you know, if Dunkin' or Starbucks is open, I'll if I'm, you know, I'll bring them a coffee or something like that. Because you don't treat people because you feel differently because you feel better than them. Remember, if God had given each one of us what we truly deserve, we'd all be on our way to a devil's hell. Everything you are, everything that you will become, and everything that you are meant to be is because of Jesus Christ and himself alone. And this is what I say. Why wouldn't I want other people to have this too? So I'm going to live before you to the best of my ability, encouraging you, trying to remain positive as I possibly can, because I want you to have this Jesus, too. And I don't want nobody when I when I leave a room to say if she's saved, I don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. Look how she act. I don't want nobody to say that about me. When I leave here, I did a powerful thing when I became a life coach back in 2012. They had us write our own obituary. They say, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? The most powerful exercise I ever did. What do you want people to say about you? She was mean, she was nasty, and she talked about everybody. You know, do you want people to say that about you? Whatever you write down, if you decide to take this upon yourself and do this for yourself, think about how you want to, how you want to be remembered when you leave here. I came here. I came here for a funeral some years ago. And I didn't know the family, but the ministerial staff was called to be present. And when we were leaving out, some of the other ministers knew the family of the person who had passed away. And when we got outside. The brother of the deceased person said, he was like, I don't know why Bishop Thomas got up there and said all the wonderful things about that person. That person was horrible was mean and nasty to the family wouldn't help nobody just you know she cussed everybody out and he got up there and said she was just this and that and the family no she was horrible i'm like oh my god i don't want nobody to say that about me after i'm dead so we, it's important that we live rightly so that it's not said about us when, we, when we're dead. And not just because of what people might say. People are going to talk about you no matter what you do. Whether you live for God, live for the devil, or just live for yourself, people are going to always have something to say and somebody going to talk about you. But we want to live in a way, again, that draws others to Jesus Christ and to him alone. Right? Okay. So, you know, I want you to know this, that when we fall short... Of the glory of God, and we do again. As I said, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all, all the way together. You catch me on a bad day. I, like I said, I can cut up with the rest of them. You know, I, I really, I really, really, really can. <laughs> I really, really, really can. And a couple of y'all that know me intimately know that I, I really, really, really can. <laughs> it gets, it can get intense, right? Um, but we know that God is a forgiving God, and God is a gracious God. And God is a loving God, and it is not his intent and his intention nor his will for anybody to perish. It is his desire that each one of us go to heaven and that each one of us live a victorious life. We know that when we fall down, it's just a matter of repentance saying, Lord, forgive me. I want to live for you. I want to get this thing right. I'm struggling here. I can't put this down. Every time I turn around, I'm right back in love again or whatever the situation may be. You know, we can ask God to forgive us. And we know the Bible says that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all our sins. And just like he did at conversion when we came and gave our lives, he will restore us because he's just that good. And let me be the one to tell you that in your walk with the Lord, you will come to him in repentance over and over and over again and don't ever feel defeated or think for one minute that the people around you have it all together we just as toe up as you are trust me (laughs) you know trust me and just because some of us have titles and some of us have position does not mean that we're no more holy we're no more saved we're no more closer to Jesus Christ than you are So, you know, when people come to me and they say, can you pray for me? I say, I'm going to pray with you because your prayers can reach heaven just like mine can. Because the same thing God gave me, sweetheart, he gave it to you too. So how about we pray together? Don't ever think for one minute. One minute. Don't have yourself defeated. saying, Lord, I can't get this. I just can't get myself together. None of us can without the work of the Holy Spirit. None of us can. Know that. Know that. I'm gonna wrap this up and get out you guys' way because I think I done hollered enough. But I'm reminded of, in terms of being salty, and saltiness, again, just simply means that we are righteous people, righteously living before the Lord to the best of our ability, to the very best of our ability. I'm reminded of a story in, a book, in, a, uh, in the book of Genesis and talking about Sodom and Gomorrah when the Lord had decided that he was gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We're all familiar with the story. We all are familiar with the ending of the story and what happened there. And we all are familiar with what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah at that time. And when the Lord contemplated whether or not telling Abraham and decided that he would, Abraham went to him and he said, Lord, if you find 50 righteous people in that city, will you not destroy? And the Lord said, if I find 45, I will not destroy and Abraham said, Lord, what about 40? And then he went on and said, Lord, what about 30? And then he said, Lord, what, what about 20, Lord? If you find 20 righteous people, the Lord said, I will not destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if I can find 20 righteous people. Abraham said, Lord, don't be, don't be angry with me. I know I'm kind of pressing my luck here. That's Charita's virgin. version. <laughs> he said, I'm kind of pressing my luck here, Lord, but if you find 10 righteous people in the land, he said, will you destroy them? The Lord said, if I can find 10, I would not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He could not find 10 righteous people in the land and Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. So where are you going with this, Sherita? I came to tell you that we are required to live a certain kind of way because we are the children and we are the saints of God. And that we need to live lives that are Righteous lives that are worthy of the calling that he's called us to so that we can fill up these pews with people coming to know the very God that we serve. We have an obligation. He didn't save us for ourselves. He saved us for everybody else. Our lives are not our own. To him, each one of us belongs, And we should give ourselves away so that he and he alone can use us. I constantly remind myself, well, I won't. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. It's about what he wants. I am deliberately and I am constantly telling myself, you know, Minister, y'all know Minister Joanne White. She's one of, that's that's my ace, y'all. That's my ace, right? Minister Joanne White has, and she don't even know I'm getting ready to say this, but we hike, we spend a lot of time together and Minister Joanne seeks the Lord for everything. I mean, everything. We could be at Chipotle and she'll ask the Lord, should she get brown rice or white rice? <laughs> right. And so, you know, when I first start hanging, you know, me and Minister White start getting close With it. I'm like, oh, my God, she is just like 12 feet deep. That's it. Ain't Lord really get the rice. It ain't that serious. Right. You know, but what I've learned from her is to seek the Lord in everything. For me, it has been big things. Him about. Do I want to do this? So I want to go here, do that or buy this or buy that but it's to seek him in all things. So I've gotten to that place in my life where I'm saying, you know what, God, I want your will to be done. If you you want me to get the white rice, I'll get the white rice. (laughs) Right? Amen. But whatever the case may be, seek him in all things, and he will lead us and he will guide us in all truth, all holiness, all righteousness. That's what he does. So let me share this, and then I'm going to take my seat and hand it over to Elder Penn. You know, We love to talk about you know, the the things of the world and what's going on in the world. And since I wanna take something from the world and I wanna share it with you all real quick. And I'm gonna say this to everybody. And some of you may not know what I'm talking about when I say it, but for those of you who do, you'll get it. Instead of asking and praying for the Lord to give you knees like Megan, ask him to give you knees like Sarah, or knees like Anna, or knees like some of the other women in the Bible, and get down on your knees and on your face. And say, Lord, come into my life. Have your way. Lead me and guide me. Because if we're going to stay salty, it's going to take two things. It's going to take prayer. And it's going to take intense study of God's word. Let's walk in love. Let's walk in forgiveness. Let's exemplify the fruit of the spirit. And when you read Galatians 5:22 through 23, where the fruit of the spirit are listed, whatever you are not let that be your prayer. God, make me loving. Lord, make me kind. Lord, make me humble. Lord, make me long suffering. Lord, make me over. Lord, make me to be whatever you would have me to be because I want to be pleasing to you. I want to love people right. I want to treat people right. I want to talk to people right. I want to be known as a lover of you, a lover of your word, and to be known as a woman of God who did your will in the kingdom of God. Let me be on fire for you let me walk with fervor, let me walk with grace, and let me walk with the anointing of God on my life. I love you, pilgrim, and I'm done, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be encouraged to stay salty, stay in your word, keep coming to church, keep seeking the Lord. No matter what the enemy says, we are a victorious people, and we will walk in the anointing and the victory that God has given us. Thank you for listening today. We want you to partner with us and become a part of our family. Please go to our website, pilgrimrestphx.org to get more information. You can also text to give by texting PRBC to 77977. Remember to subscribe. Now, let's go live a life of higher heights and deeper depths as we occupy all streets.